Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. In our first hour today, we went through some of the biggest winners and losers of the first full Sunday in the NFL. But I've saved the best or the worst for last. Because the biggest loser of the first Sunday in pro football was me. And everyone like me. Because I don't care how far you go and how carefully you look. You won't see a team play worse than my team played yesterday. The New York Jets' performance yesterday was an embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment, and it was a complete referendum on their coach. This was always going to be a really unusual first Sunday of football. You're going to see which teams were ready to play and which weren't, with no preseason and limited training camp and all the different complications that went into this. And the great organizations and the great coaches figure out a way. And look at the teams that did. And look what the Jets looked like in the first half yesterday. For anyone lucky enough not to have watched yesterday, the New York Jets in the first half, and I do not mean this as a joke, would not have beaten Clemson. The Jets went three and out on every possession they had until they were late in the half. They couldn't do literally anything with the football. Their defense looked confused, lost. They looked like they had no idea Josh Allen ran. That's what Josh Allen does. People who have seen him play once know what Josh Allen does is run. They made Josh Allen look exactly like Cam Newton. Josh Allen yesterday was Cam Newton. We used to joke on Get Up that he was a poor man's Cam Newton. Yesterday he was a rich man's Cam Newton. The Jets made him a rich man's Cam Newton. They looked, they looked confused. They looked completely unprepared. That is totally on the coach and on the coaching. Further, the Jets' best receiver had an excellent day yesterday, except he did it for Carolina. And the Jets' best player had an excellent day yesterday. It was all over the place, hitting anything that moved. But he did it for Seattle. So the Jets are a disaster, and it won't get better fast. And none of that is the bad news. The bad news for anyone who watches them play, and, and, and anyone listening to me will remember this play because it was nationally televised. The first offensive play of Sam Darnold's career in the National Football League took place on a Monday night in Detroit. The Jets opened as the first of the two Monday night doubleheader games the year Darnold is a rookie, two years ago this week. And on his very first play, Darnold threw a ball that kids in fifth grade know you don't throw. Running to his left, throwing the ball against his body, begging to be picked off and returned for a touchdown, and that's exactly what happened. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Good. Let him get that out of the way immediately. He'll never do that again. Yesterday, he threw a ball that was even worse, even more ill-conceived, an even bigger mistake, or at least just as bad. So he's regressing. He literally went back to the first play of his NFL career yesterday because his genius offensive guru of a quarterback coach doesn't have the first clue what he's doing. So I put almost everything about the Jet debacle of yesterday on the coach. And there was no question in my mind that the organization is just wasting its time until they make a change. Adam Gase, when his quarterback, by the way, the offensive genius, when his quarterback has been anyone but Peyton Manning, his offenses have never been in the top half of scoring in the NFL. Not in the top half. Not higher than 17th. And most of the time they've been in the upper 20s. His offenses have stunk everywhere he's gone. 
but he's an offensive guru whose quarterback is regressing, but he's an offensive guru whose team, his team hates him, but he's an offensive guru whose team was completely unprepared to play yesterday. There will not be a worse performance in this entire NFL season than the Jets in the first quarter yesterday. So that was a dis- an absolute disgrace. Let me bring Dan Orlovsky in on that cheerful note and see if he can make me feel better. He joins me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, which gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Dan, you know that you have become one of my best friends, and, you know, it's times like this that you need a friend. So what can you say that will make me feel cheerier about watching my team play yesterday? Yeah, Greeny, well, real friends will keep it real with you and tell you the truth. I have no, I have no like disagreements with anything you've said. Um, I, the only caveat I throw out there is, and I just want to be honest, if anyone thought that the Jets were going to play well yesterday, then that's somewhat on, on them. Uh, you're, you're talking about the worst skill position in the NFL, group-wise, talent-wise. You're talking about still one of the worst offensive lines, although Beckton looks really good. And then you're talking about one of the worst coaches. And so you take all that and you're going on the road against a really good team that's going to contend for a relatively high playoff spot. I did not expect the Jets to play well. Um, but I'd say the two most disappointing things as I rewatched the game, and you mentioned this a bunch, was preparation. Who looked ready to play or wanting to play? And I look at it from an offensive perspective more often than not, and there's two ways that you can tell if a team is ready to play. Do they know on the defense of who to attack and who to not attack? And that was clearly evident that they did not have a clue who they should go after at Buffalo or with Buffalo, nor who should they avoid. And the second thing is protections. You can tell if a team is prepared for who they're playing against with the way the offensive line protects as far as like a plan wise, right? Maybe not like having great players, but a plan wise. There was so many miscommunications and breakdowns and guys running free from that offensive line that it looked like there was a, that they had not have prepared for this game at all. And that's the most damning thing for me when it comes to Adam Gase is how unprepared his kind of forte offensive football or offensive side of the football looked. So that was just depressing in every conceivable way. Let's move to far more cheerful <laughs> subjects. Dan, we talked about Kyler Murray this morning and how great he looks in Arizona and how great DeAndre Hopkins looked. And this is a little deviation, guys, from the plan, but I just got sent this tweet. So Daniel Jeremiah, Danny, uh, tweeted the following. Kyler Murray ran the ball 13 times yesterday. He slid, went out of bounds, or scored on 12 of those 13. He was only tackled one time. And Daniel points out then the the obvious. He's mastered the ability to protect himself on the move. It's teaching tape for Mm. athletic quarterbacks. And that is so good. And it's this baseball thing, right? It's him and Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. These baseball guys, they know how to slide because it's an intrinsic part of that sport. And it is just another thing that make Murray so good. This kid is so good, it's ridiculous. Greeny, I've said that he is already in the top five of players in the NFL that no coach or defense wants to play against because he can beat you three different ways. He can beat you with his arm. It's outstanding, and he's making all kinds of throws. He can beat you with his mind. He's getting the ball out, and you saw that yesterday, the development, the lack of sacks, a couple of those runs that Daniel's talking about 
or he gets to the back of the pocket and there's pressure and he just runs up and, and dives down and it's second and nine instead of second and 16. That is enormous. And then he could beat you with his legs. 93 yards rushing yesterday. Just absolutely flawless. And so I'm not talking top five quarterbacks. I'm talking top five guys in the NFL that teams and coordinators don't want to play against. Think about what he just did yesterday. They went into the defending NFC champion home and beat them one year after he was the best quarterback to play against that 49ers defense outside of Patrick Mahomes' fourth quarter. So he's outstanding. He quickly got comfortable with DeAndre Hopkins. And I said this last week, I don't expect Arizona to win the division, but they are going to be an absolute nightmare to play every single week and it's only because of Kyler Murray. Greeny and Orlovsky with you here and that's a big win for them. Look, do I expect them to win the division? No, I don't either but they won in San Francisco. I don't know I don't know how to gauge the importance of home field advantage in a time when there are no fans but for whatever it's worth they have one big win. Okay, anyone who watches our show in the mornings get up uh, has seen how much of a, a supporter I mean it's not that Dan Orlovsky believes in Carson Wentz, has when it wasn't so fashionable to do so, and then last year did an outstanding job of chronicling what was a really good year for Wentz, uh, which is what I think made you so disappointed in what we saw from him yesterday. For those who didn't get a chance to hear it, Dan, what were your thoughts on the performance of Wentz and the Eagles yesterday? Yeah, he's the reason they lost the football game. You know, I kind of shared this story that when I was in Houston playing for Gary Kubiak, and we had to always go against the Colts. They had Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis as rushers. And Coach Kubiak would start the week by saying, quarterbacks, do not lose this game because of the defensive line. He'd spend the whole week saying that, and right before the game, he'd say, don't allow this defensive line to win the football game, meaning hold the ball too long, get these sacks to put us in second and longs and third and longs, uh, force the, the, allow this defensive line to force you the way you play and then turn the ball over. And that's exactly what happened with Carson Wentz because they go up 17 nothing. He's playing great. And the only single way that Washington has any chance to win the game is, is if he's careless with the football, two interceptions, and then he allows the defensive line to get going and start giving you sacks. And then all of a sudden it's punt, 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 and you have no chance on offense. And so for a guy that experienced last year of, of having to play quarterback in an aspect of, no one's around me help-wise. I just have to run the play, let the play run itself, and don't have to go win the game. To come out and do what he did in the second half yesterday blew my mind. And it was disappointing to see that, you know, I thought he was past that. I thought there was growth. The, there's two plays sack-wise that are infuriating. The one that knocks him out of the field goal range, but the second and 20 in the second quarter, they throw a screen and it's covered. And instead of just throwing the ball at the guy's feet, he decides to like run around, run around, and he ends up taking a hit. Now he stays in the game, all that, but it's the same exact play as he gets knocked out in, in the playoff game against Seattle last year. And that's why, for me, you're too good of a player, you're too experienced, you're too mature to, to, to be the reason your team lost that game rather than the reason your team won it. It was very disappointing. I agree. I was as surprised by that result as it was by anything if you had told me we'd wake up today and we'd be talking about we'll see what happens with the Giants tonight but the Eagles losing and the Cowboys losing and the Washington football team being alone in first place in the NFC East I wouldn't have bought it which brings us to the Cowboys so we spent again Dan has been spectacular on my show in the mornings get up and we spent all of last season Dan talking about their offense and how much better it should be than it seems to be 
and they get a million yards and they just don't score points. And for the most part, most of the blame for that fell on the coach. And then yesterday comes, and in a huge national spotlight game season opener, they score 17 points against the Rams. Mm-hmm. So what do we say about it now? Yeah, it's it, they're far too talented to do what they did. And it's so it's, it's odd, Kenny, because I'm, I, I watch these games and I take notes just as the game goes. And early on, I'm going, Dallas is doing a ton of movement pre-snap. Good screen game. Horizontal stretch stretch utilizing Zeke in the past game started really strong with all their offensive scheme and then all of a sudden it just goes away they stopped the pre-snap motion they stopped utilizing Zeke as a pass catcher they stopped getting five guys out in the route and it just got really stagnant and if you're playing stagnant football in the NFL as an offense it's really bad you're, you're doing a disservice to your players and so for them to be that talented and to only score 17 points, because I knew the conversation today was going to be like the Dallas defense, you know, they soft up the middle and all that stuff. You scored 17 points. You trapped a receiver at the 17th pick this year when you had more defensive holes because you wanted to become more, more explosive. And so their, their offense needs to figure out, are they going to be creative or not? Because if you're not going to be creative, then this go get Scott Linehan back. And then being honest, Greeny, like don't finish the game 0 for 7 on third down as an offense. You know, like some of that does fall on Dak Prescott because that's the same thing we said about Dak last year. Played good, not good enough against really good teams and wasn't good enough when it mattered the most. And that this is not the way that that team should start this season. I agree. Third down was the big problem last year, too. It's so many of the same problems that – I don't want to overreact to one game, but it really does make you wonder how much of the problem really was or wasn't the coach. Uh, that said, yesterday, as I was making some notes, Greeny and Orlovsky with you here on ESPN Radio, as I was making some notes yesterday, uh, somewhere in the middle of the third quarter of Bears-Lions, I knew you were coming on today, I wrote down, ask Orlovsky if it's already time to go to Foles. <laughs> and then, because he looked so, Mitch Trubisky looked so bad, and the Bears offense looked so lost. And then the fourth quarter happened, and obviously everything changed. And I opened the show this morning by saying, I can't watch the game and tell you specifically what they changed that worked, but you can. What did they do right in the fourth quarter, and what does it mean for Mitch Trubisky? Well, I mean, what he did right in the fourth quarter was it seems that he settled in. If you go watch the first three quarters, again, it's a lot of the mechanical flaws that have, you know, kind of hindered him. He stands up, he bounces, he doesn't drive into the football. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he made a throw to Anthony Miller that, like, just mechanically, he looks good. And then he makes another one to Allen Robinson up over a defender where he steps into the ball, gets to the top of his drop, it's almost like watching Roger Clemens come off the mound where it's these, this big lower half, this lower body that pushes off that rubber and they're driving the ball. You can still throw with touch and drive the football. And like some confidence starts. You, you see they, they started playing with some tempo, some no huddle, which again is something they did last year. And then he just made some throws. And then the throw, the game winner to Anthony Miller is an absolute perfect throw. And so uh, I, I don't want to sit here and say, I, I've always said this about, not always, this year I've said this about Mitch Trubisky as the season started. His performance is going to be what it is. I want to see do his teammates believe in him. And I will say that to do that on the road, it's got to be really good to walk in that locker room today and have those teammates feel like, okay, Mitchell was really struggling, but he got it done for us. Because at the end of the day in the NFL, that's all that matters is are you getting it done? 
And so they got to clean up a lot of things. I, I will harp on the mechanics as long as I can. Matt Nagy's got to get a little more feel, um, but it's a really good way to win when you're not playing well. Um, but the pressure's on him every single week to figure it out and clean it up. And just very quickly, because you made me think of it. I brought it up at the beginning of this conversation as well. I can't make up my mind what to make of the home road thing. Like, like you played 12 years. How much of the being on the road, the challenge of that is created by the 80,000 screaming people that are now not there? I, I guess what I'm asking you is, what is your expectation for the significance of home field advantage in this season where almost no teams have any fans in the stands at all? Yeah, I think it's going to be minimized a ton. Um, I, I, this, this will sound silly, but usually what I expect is the better team will win week in and week out because a lot of times with the home field advantage, the better team does not win because that home field is such a big deal. We've always said in the NFL it's worth three points. If you're playing at home, no matter who the opponent is, it's worth three points. I'd say it's going to be in the, you're going to feel it in the biggest moment, third downs, red zones, momentum swings in two minutes. And then the thing that I started thinking about, Greeny, is I remember having to go on the road to play in places like the New Orleans or Kansas City or Seattle, and we would obsess throughout the week of ways that we could operate our offense plan-wise with the crowd noise. Okay, do we have to pare down our playbook, especially our third down stuff? Could we, could we minimize our calls? How much was it going to affect our snap count? We would practice sometimes with – crazy noise and never say a word everything was hand signals the whole practice you don't have to do that anymore and so that's just going to be a very interesting thing to watch play out as teams don't have to plan during the week and i just think the biggest moments of games it'll be kind of impacted the greatest nfl live four o'clock today yes sir four o'clock on espn every weekday and, and monday is obviously the best of them all dan and marcus and laura and mina kimes and company just outstanding uh, danny always a pleasure thank you my man i'll see you later in the week you're the best, brother. Later. There you are. Dan Orlovsky, just terrific, uh, with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Those guys are doing great with that show in the afternoons now, getting more and more comfortable as they go, and they will have great coverage of, of all of this coming out of week one. That, that home road thing, I think, is interesting, and it's important. Like, I found myself making notes this morning, and, you know, it's 4 a.m., and, and you're not always thinking straight, and I started writing down, well, Green Bay won at Minnesota. And Arizona won at San Francisco. And the Bears won at Detroit. Those are like a win and a half in the standings. And then I, it, I remembered, I sort of shook the cobwebs out of my head and I thought, or do they count as that? Maybe this year it doesn't really matter. Maybe as the year goes on, fans will start coming back. I don't know. I, I don't know if we should expect that or not. Certainly in some places, I don't think we'll get it at all. So it's a little bit difficult to try and figure out. One way or another, those were, I thought, some of the most interesting things. I could keep Dan here for two hours if I had the time to do it because you could go through every quarterback thing with him. But I opened the show this morning by talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly from an experience, from a veteran quarterback standpoint. And the good was Aaron Rodgers. He was so good yesterday. It was, it was an Aaron Rodgers I felt like we hadn't seen in years. He looked better yesterday than he did in his great games last year. He had a few monster games last year that, that propped up his stats for the entire season. I thought he looked better yesterday than he did in any game last year. The bad, I thought, was Cam Newton, and, and that's despite the fact that he played great and they won. But he just got hit so many times. He had 15 carries, the opposite of Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray got only got tackled once. Cam Newton gets tackled on plays where he doesn't have the ball. 
Cam Newton gets hit more than any quarterback I've ever seen. And he has been hit more than any quarterback that ever lived. And so that's just not sustainable. What they did yesterday, not sustainable. And then the ugly was Brady. And if they don't figure out quickly, if Bruce Arians doesn't figure out quickly that what they were trying to do yesterday is not the way they're going to win. They're going to win with defense, running the football, and let Brady make a few plays. That's the way they're going to win in Tampa. If he's going to be no risk it, no biscuiting, and all over the place, it's going to look a lot like Jameis because their, their, New Orleans' average possession started on the Tampa Bay 42 yesterday. That was worse than any game last year when Jameis was throwing 30 picks. All right, we're just getting rolling here. As we continue, the most important performance of week one hasn't happened yet. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Meanwhile, it is time now for us to look ahead to tonight's game. I told you the most important performance of the weekend hasn't happened yet. We'll make this our Monday Night Football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance because tonight we get Big Ben. Giant Steelers is the first game of the ESPN doubleheader. Second game is Broncos-Titans. Both games are interesting to me. But there is no more interesting performance in the league, in my opinion, than Ben Roethlisberger's, and here's why. The Steelers' defense is elite. I gave you this stat last week when I picked the Steelers to win the division because I'm counting on Ben to be healthy. Last year, in games in which the Steelers scored at least 11 points, they went 8-3. and three. They had horrendous quarterback play. If Ben Roethlisberger can just be some of what he's traditionally been, that team should win 10 games. If he can be really close to his best, if that elbow is reconstructed and he's great, then I think they make a run at the division. Now, I will admit Baltimore's performance of yesterday gives me some pause. <laughs> they look awfully good. 
I really can't make up my mind how much of that is about Cleveland just looking terrible. We need to see both those teams play again once or twice. But the Ravens look awful good. But I do believe that Roethlisberger is one of the most important players in the NFL this year because that team is a quarterback away, I think, from being a legit contender, like a Super Bowl contender. So let's see what Ben is. And then Denver and Tennessee, that's an important game because Tennessee is a team that I know a lot of people are thinking deep in the playoffs thoughts. They obviously made it to the AFC Championship game a year ago. Let's see what they've got. Denver is a team that a lot of people are very high on the young quarterback. Talk to people in the know. They will tell you they're very high on the young quarterback. And they got him a great weapon now in Jerry Judy, who I think is going to be a stud. So I'm very interested to see what Denver looks like. Then circling back, obviously, Pittsburgh is playing the Giants. And let's see what Danny Dimes has to begin year two. And Saquon Barkley is as good as it gets. So it should be a very interesting night, Monday Night Football, and I'm looking forward to it. And our preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. I will also say, just to go quickly back to Baltimore and Cleveland, if I can, that that performance by the Browns yesterday was foundation-altering. Like, that was the kind of day that makes you think, maybe we really have gotten this all wrong. More than any other year, you don't want to overreact to week one. I know I am a professional overreactor. I know I made overreacting popular. No one overreacts more than I do. But that was a terrible game for the Browns. And the obvious target of the vitriol is going to be Baker, and he looked awful. But I will also say, Maybe he'd be a lot better if Odell was playing. What happened to Odell Beckham? What happened to him? I I live in New York. I I, I watch Odell Beckham play. I'm not a Giant fan, but I watched every single game that he played with the Giants. And all he wanted to do was criticize his quarterback while he was there, by the way, and tell you how good Eli Manning wasn't. And Odell Beckham, for all of the, the shenanigans and whatever the nonsense was, he was brilliant. He was dynamic, electrifying. Everyone knew about the hands, the moves, the energy. He was phenomenal. What happened? What has happened to Odell? You could easily forget that he's playing. You watch them play. You have to pay attention. You say, did he play? I think he had two catches. It was a terrible, I mean, just a disaster. That was a top to bottom disaster. No show by the Browns, like Jets level no show. The terrible days yesterday belong to number one. I'm going to say number one, the Colts, because the Colts are a team that I think had the highest aspirations of any of the teams that I'm about to talk about. And for them to lose to Jacksonville is disheartening. The Vikings, I think that's a tough loss because that's a team you're going to be battling, I think, all the way through. But to lose to Aaron Rodgers, that's certainly nothing to be ashamed of. Rodgers was brilliant. The Browns, horrendous. And the Jets, while I don't think the expectations are nearly as high as any of those other teams, for them just to not show up, but to be so completely unprepared to play, I thought theirs was the worst performance of the day. It might not have been the worst loss, but they were the worst team. Through one week, no matter what happens tonight, the Jets deserve to be ranked 32nd out of 32 teams 
in the ESPN.com power rankings. All right, I'm going to take your calls next. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The rest of the show belongs to you. I want your takes coming off week one. I'm not the only one who can overreact. Let's hear what you thought of what you saw from your team yesterday. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Greeny, turning it over to you in just a minute here for your calls. But first, my fascinating stat of the day is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And the stat is this. With Joe Burrow, who should have been able to throw one more pass in the end zone yesterday before they kicked that field goal. But with him and the Bengals losing yesterday, that means the last 13 times that the number one overall pick in the draft was a quarterback. That quarterback did not win his first game. They're 0-12-1. Kyler Murray tied a game last year. Burrow 0-12-1, the last quarterback to win in that spot, David Carr. Boy, that feels like a long time ago. Fascinating stat brought to you by DraftKings. And, uh, and I will also mention, if you miss anything on the show today, the podcast is really good. It's available all the different places you get your podcast. They put the entire show up there. They break it up into the two hours. We had a lot of great football conversation today of all sorts. Dan Orlovsky uh, break, breaking down pretty much everything that you saw and a lot of my thoughts right off the top of the show today. So feel free to please check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's just called Greeny. Meanwhile, let me get to the phones here and take your thoughts. I'm going to start with Trent at 888-SAY-ESPN. Trent, I'm looking for your number one opinion coming out of yesterday in the NFL. Go. I'm a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. I think uh, yesterday the performance the Bills put together against uh, your Jets there, Greeny, proved that uh, there ain't just two horses in the AFC race. I think the Bills got to be looked at as a legitimate contender in the AFC moving forward. I love that you feel that way. And I'd like you to be right. Hashtag Bills Mafia. I love you guys. I'm going to need to see that again. I'm not convinced how much of that was the Bills looking great and how much of it was the Jets being completely unprepared to play, hating their coach, and just wanting no part of it. Josh Allen, if he plays like that again, he is Cam Newton. He's what Cam Newton was when Cam first came to the league. He's not as good, but that's how he played. And they went to a Super Bowl that way, so you can do it. And they've got digs now. They've got weapons. I, I, I buy it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy the... I, going into this, I picked the Patriots to win the division. Yesterday changed my mind. I think the Bills are better. And their defense is great. I'll need to see it one more time. And then I'll believe it. Let them beat anyone besides the Jets. And I'll believe it. Mike, you're next on ESPN Radio. Mike, what's your number one thought coming out of yesterday? Hey, Greeny, how are you? I am, uh, my biggest takeaway is 
the realization that I turned 50 years old this year and after the one o'clock game ended and I'm a lifelong Browns fan, it dawned on me that I may never see the Browns in the Super Bowl. Not even a winning team, but just a participant. And it was not an overreaction for a 50-year-old Cleveland fan to have the season ruined for me already. And I hate to sound so bad, but it's been a long time, my friend. You don't sound bad. I feel the same way. I'm 53. I've never seen it either. You and I are in the same boat, Mike. We're having the same day, and I feel exactly the same way. I think your team is closer than mine. No team is further than mine. Your team's a mess, and they've been terrible. They've been worse recently than the Jets, but that's not saying much. They've both been awful for the last decade, and they're not... The problem is... Well, I don't know. I was about to say, I think we have the right quarterback and you don't, but I'm not convinced of even that anymore. I don't know what to think. So, Mike, I'm with you. I've never seen it happen. I know the Jets won the Super Bowl. I was January 12, 1969. I was one year and four months old. So I've never seen it happen either. Uh, Cam is next. Cam, you're on ESPN Radio. What's your one biggest thought from yesterday? Cam is gone, but we do have Jason in Florida. He's ready. Go. Jason, what do you got? Hey, Green. What's up, buddy? Hey, I still got your signature from the Mike and Mike book way back in the day, man. It's great. Listen, uh, Baltimore Ravens, bro, we keep talking about the Cleveland Browns and how bad they stink. Well, how about how great Baltimore looked? I mean, they are unstoppable. They were 14-2 and last year. What's to think that they can't even have a 16-0 and record even in that division this year? And by the way, if you put Sam Darnold on the Cleveland Browns, they're a much better team. So they made a mistake not drafting him number one. Maybe. I mean, I think if you put Sam Darnold on any other team, he'd be a better player. That said, the Ravens was your original thought. Yes, the Ravens look great. I don't think they'll be 16-0. The game of the year. What, Bubba, what week is that? The, the Baltimore-Kansas City game. Kansas City goes to Baltimore on a Monday night early. I, I, I had it. I think it's the end of September. I, I want to say it's like two weeks from now or three weeks from now. And, and that's the game. I think as of Friday morning, I was told that our analytics had Kansas City a favorite in every one of the games. Week three, so it's that soon. So in two weeks, Monday night, Kansas City at Baltimore. That's the game. That's the matchup you're dying to see. Mahomes against Lamar, spectacular. But Ravens, fantastic. I mean, absolutely fantastic. There's no argument there whatsoever. Uh, do I have time for one more, Bubba? Who's next? Is it Chris? Chris is there. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I got one minute for you. What do you got? Hey, man, first of all, it's an honor. Uh, thank you. Uh, I just want to talk about the Rams and what Sean McVay, the adjustments he made from last year to this year. Getting the ball out of Jared Goff's hands as quickly as he has or did last night was incredible. If he can keep that up all year long, I think the Rams are going to go deep in the playoffs. Thank you. They're a great – look, he's a great coach. No debating that whatsoever. Last year, Goff threw 626 passes, I think, tied for the most in the league. That's not the recipe. They need to be balanced because their defense is what they're going to is is a big part of what they do. But they have two great receivers in Woods and Cup. I think they're both genuinely combination. They're a dynamic group. I don't think they win that division. I think the West has four playoff teams. I genuinely think they have four playoff teams. There has never been a team in history. There's never been a season in history because it could never happen before that all four teams from a division made the playoffs. This year it could happen, and the NFC West is the place it would happen. The proof of that is in the quarterbacks, because Kyler Murray is a superstar. Jared Goff has been there. Russell Wilson, I think, is going to be the MVP. And Jimmy G's got a great defense. 
The proof is in the quarterbacks. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas. Gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. All right, so this has been a little bit like therapy for me. I'm disgusted, dismayed, disheartened, and fast becoming disinterested based upon the actions of my team. But I am delighted to be back talking football again with you. I'll see you in the morning. Forget up and then back here, same time, same place. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.